It's a blessing for me to be here in, in Glenville with you tonight. My wife has been here and preached. Um, I've been through Glenville, but I haven't had an opportunity to preach in the church. And so this is a joy and a blessing for me. And I want to thank the Bland family for such beautiful music. Thank you so much. Weren't you blessed by what they shared? Well, the truth of the matter is I could talk about your pastor all night because there is, I want to tell you, I hope and pray to God that you understand what a gift that you have here in this ministerial family. And I think just by watching you and how you interact with uh, he and Amanda, I, I realize that you, you understand what a blessing that you have, right? He is one of the most gifted um, ministers of the gospel, not just young ministers, but one of the most gifted ministers that I know, and a man who just has not only been a, a, a friend of mine, but someone I have learned from myself um, and have just been touched and blessed by his life and ministry. And I, I selfishly said yes to come because I wanted to be around him and uh, Amanda and Jack and, and Dean Thomas and Nora. I haven't had a chance to be around her because uh, she was not born when they were in, in uh, Savannah. So I'm, I just met her, uh, and so I'm, I'm glad to be around her. But, but this family is very special, and I think that you already realize that and see that, right? So tonight's a little bit emotional for me because I'm looking back here and I see some people that are uh, from uh, Baxley, Georgia. That, y'all let Baxley people come to Glenville? Um. Uh, I see some people who are like family to me. They are family to me from Baxley. And uh, we're a part of the church that Cindy and I served there for nine years as, as uh, pastors and lived in the community there. And so these guys are, are special to me for a lot of reasons. And uh, I'm so glad to see them tonight. Right when I was walking out the door, Cindy said, I think that there's some people from Baxley coming. And I said, well, I'll do the best I can to behave. So hopefully they won't talk to anybody and, and you, they won't let you know the truth about me before I get out of here. So. <laughs> Today's been an emotional day for me. I want to share that with you. Not only because I'm here with people who I not only get the chance to meet and to grow to love you who are part of this congregation, but to be with uh, Jim and Amanda and their family and uh, some of my, my Baxley family. But this morning, um, I'm going to share this with you because it's public knowledge at this point. But I announced to our congregation that God had called us back into full-time mission work with Light for the Nations. And so in June, we will be leaving Isle of Hope and be uh, reappointed to Light for the Nations full-time in ministry. So that was just fresh off the press this morning. I just announced it to the congregation. Most of them were not aware of that. So it was a very emotional morning for me. And uh, I knew that God was going to do something special tonight because um, uh, when I was leaving to come here... That my car messed up, I had to ditch it, and my daughter let me borrow hers to make it the rest of the way. Then uh, when I got here, I would picked up my glasses so I could read, or got the glasses so I could read the scripture, and I realized I had my wife's glasses, so uh, um, they have little diamonds-looking things on the side of it. So these are not my glasses, I just want you to know that, but I am going to use them tonight because I won't be able to see the scripture without them. Uh, I just got back from India, and this church, by the way, and, and Jim and I talked about it a little bit, this church has been a church that it has partnered with us in the ministry of life of the nations over the years, and, and I, we just got back from India and, and uh, saw God do some amazing things. Listen, there's a lot 
that is going wrong seemingly in the world and even in our culture and even in the church. But I want you to know something, that God is at work in a phenomenal way in our world. I mean, the Spirit of God is at work in an an amazing way. And people's lives are being touched and changed in ways that that it would take me all night to explain to you. And and, uh, the joy and privilege that that we had this time was to go into uh, the Bihar area, which is up in North India, very close to the border of Nepal. And uh, we ministered across North India, went into Bihar and met with pastors and missionaries and did uh, several conferences with them. And I was looking at some, just listening to some of the video, I mean, the video I had taken on the way over here of interviewing some pastors who are serving Jesus in villages in North India and listening again to some of their testimonies. I taught and ministered in the pastor's conference there and then said, I want you to tell me your story. And just to listen to the story of these servants of God who have, have preached the gospel and served Jesus in places that are just overwhelming and listening to them talk about the suffering and persecution that they had to go through and do go through. There were three pastors that I was talking to and, and uh, they were sharing with me how they had prayed for this one man who was paralyzed from the waist down. He, was, uh, he contracted TB when he was young and then had a stroke and he was paralyzed from the waist down. He was not a believer, but they went to his house to pray for him in this village area. And God touched him. And this young man uh, was able to stand on his feet and, and uh, stand vertical. And, and he gave his life to Jesus. And then he began to minister and, and uh, share in the village that he was in. And people came. He handed out small New Testaments to those who came to listen to him teach. And then some of the people from the area, there's some radical uh, uh, Hindus who came tore up the Bibles that he had and uh, just burned them and then burned the church down, this little worship center where he was ministering, this young man who had been called to preach the gospel. And I was listening to them talk and I realized what, what privilege it is to live in the country that we live in, you know, where we don't have to deal with that. I mean, we don't have to worry about that happening tonight. Isn't that something? I mean, we don't have to worry about that. God has blessed us to live in a nation where we have the freedom to have services like this without anybody coming and, and, and interrupting the service. I mean, isn't that something to be grateful for? I mean, God, there's a lot wrong with our nation, but this, this is right right here. This is right. Amen. This is right. We went to a, a leper hospital that we took over a year ago to try to support and help and uh, when we went there to meet with these precious lepers there was a, a worship uh, chapel that was built and to see them with with nubs for fingers lift their hands and worship to God and sing to the Lord I want to tell you you can't be in an environment like that and not appreciate what God has done for you I'm telling you right now you know what, sometimes we hesitate to, to lift our voice and be grateful to God or lift our hands and thank the Lord. But when you see these precious uh, men and women who are trying to deal with a disease that is just overwhelming and yet they come in a worship setting like this and lift their hands to praise the Lord and lift their high eyes to God and sing to the Lord, we've got a lot to be thankful for. 
a lot to be grateful for as God's people. And so my hope and prayer is that over the ni- tonight, tomorrow night, and Tuesday night, that, that this will be more than just a, uh, me being a cheerleader for you. you don't need, the church doesn't need a cheerleader. What we need is, and, and Pastor Jim shared that with us when we were praying tonight, we need an encounter with a living God in order to deal with the things that, that are going on in our life. Because I don't know how you are, but I know what's going on in my life. And I know that without God's presence and power, um, a song is not going to do it for me. Um, even a, a meeting like this is not good. I, I want to meet Jesus in this place tonight. I mean, I really do. I want God to step in because that has been my experience. When God steps down, when the Lord enters into a, a place, everything becomes possible, right? Everything becomes possible. Not only... Can my sins be forgiven, but my sickness can be healed, my family can be restored, and that my life can be changed. And to me, that's what, that's what we need. That's what it's all about. And I'm thankful to God to be a part of that. And I believe that's going to happen tonight and tomorrow night and Tuesday night. Um, I believe that's going to happen. So I want to read a scripture from the Old Testament, the book of Isaiah. I'm going to borrow my wife's glasses, so don't forget that. Now, would you all stand with me out of uh, honor and reverence for God's Word as we look together here at Isaiah chapter 6, beginning with verse number 1. This is the testimony of a great prophet of Israel. His own personal testimony. Somebody else can tell your story. But when you tell your story, because of your own experience and encounter with God, there's something powerful about that. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. He was seated on the throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. And one would cry to the other and say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of Him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I'm undone, because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. But my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal which he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my lips and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Now your iniquity is taken away and your sin is purged. Then I heard the voice of God saying to me, Whom shall I send and who go for us? And I said, Here I am, Lord. Send me. 
Father, in this moment, with a sense of the presence of a living God among us, we open our hearts, we open our minds, and we ask you, God, to speak to us that out of the abundance of your grace we may not only hear a sermon, but that we would encounter a living God. Lord, move in this place tonight because I know that there's people here who don't need another sermon. They need a touch from the hand of God because their families are struggling. Their lives may be in shambles. Maybe they're just dry, Lord, and need something. Something real. Move in this place, God. And we will give you all the praise and glory for whatever you do as your word is shared in Jesus' name. Amen. And you can be seated. Turn to somebody and say, I sure am glad you're here tonight. Would you do that? One of the things I know about us as human beings is that we uh, are creatures of habit. I mean, we really are. Most of us uh, have routines that we go through very, very regularly. I know I do. I like to fix my coffee exactly the same way all the time. And it may be OCD, I don't know, but I'm telling you, I like my coffee to taste a certain way. So I fix it the same, or I try to every single time I fix a cup of coffee. Now, I want you to, I'm, I'm being honest with you, I want you to be honest with me. How many of you are either sitting in or close to the place that you always sit in most every Sunday? Be honest, go ahead. There's nothing to be ashamed about, okay? I understand that. Sometimes my wife likes to change things up around a little bit with the furniture in the house, and I remember coming home one night, I had preached somewhere and it was late in the evening and whatever reason that day she decided to change some furniture around and I came into the house I was going to take my shoes off in the bedroom and you know how you have that little bench thing at the end of the the bed what do you call it you know what I'm talking about bench thing that's what it is that's a a bench thing right there at the end of the well she had moved the thing and I went to sit down and I almost broke my shoulder because I hit it up against the, uh, the footboard of the bed, when I went to sit down, there was no bench there because she had moved it. I like things pretty much orderly and in the same place every time. But, but for whatever reason, God knows that about us. And God will work in ways that are contrary to our sensibilities and to whatever our customs may be, just in order to shake us to a place where we recognize our need for change. Otherwise, sometimes we'll just keep going through the motions and keep going through the motions. When God wants us to experience in the depth of our life some sense of change or transformation, not just for for our sake, but because God loves us so much, He wants us to experience Him in the depth of our life and to encounter Him in such a way that our life would be transformed and changed. He wants us to know the fullness of His joy. He wants us to, to, to know the, the, the wonder of laughter and the opportunity to not only see ourselves for who we really are, which is not all that much, but to see God for who He really is and so through Him experience in our life a transforming grace and power that can change us forever. Sometimes 
All of us need these pivotal moments in our life. And my prayer for you this week, uh, these few days that we're together, is that somehow God will bring to us a pivotal moment in our life. I don't know where you are because I don't know you. I know where I am, and I know that in my life, I need God to do something in my life. I just want God to do something in my life. I'm being honest with you. That not the, not, not the same, I, I don't want to be the same after these three days. That we can say after it's all over, it was a good time that we had together. It was wonderful. I want God to change me. I want to become more like Christ. I want my life to count for more than what it does now. I want to encounter God in such a way that, that my present and my future will be changed. All throughout the Bible, there are pivotal moments where this happens for people. And you have, you, you've read about it. One of the things that happens sometimes for us as followers of, of God is that we will read about something in the Scripture and we will assume that either that happened a long time ago for somebody but that it's not available to us now or we assume that somehow God is not necessarily that interested in me or what's going on in my life. Nothing could be further from the truth. Nothing. Nothing. And you know what it's like. Sometimes we go through religious motion, but there's no spiritual emotion. Sometimes we will sing a song, and our lips will move with the words to the song, but we know that everything inside of us, we really aren't sure that what we're singing or what we're saying is true. And if you came here tonight, and maybe your mind wonders like mine does sometimes, especially after you eat turkey, why in the world would your pastor have turkey on the night, first night of revival? Turkey's got that stuff in it that makes you get sleepy, right? So I'm going to ask some of you to help me because you may have to help wake the person up next to you because we need to finish this message tonight, okay? But I respect the fact that, that you've had a wonderful meal, but God may want to do something in your life tonight if you can stay awake long enough for that to happen. I want God to do something in my life. Is anybody else? Could you just say amen? I want God to do something in my life. And the Lord has done that for people down through the ages. And because I believe that God is no respecter of persons, why wouldn't God do something for you or with me tonight? Even though I tend to want the routine and I'm going to come to revival, I'm going to come to church, and I'm going to leave, and it's going to be the same. No, I don't want that for my life. I want it to be different. And I've seen God do that uh, in ways beyond description over the course of my lifetime. I've seen God step into a room and everything change in an instant. I've seen God step into a life and a person be trained. I'm a testimony and witness of that truth. So this week I'm hoping that the invitation is not from me, but from the Spirit of God to surrender our feelings of helplessness or discouragement or failure or indifference and by faith just to receive whatever it is that God would have for you or for me to tonight and tomorrow night and Tuesday night. Over and over again we see this happen in Scripture where there's a pivotal moment in the life of some of God's great servants. You remember Moses standing at the barefooted in front of a burning bush And standing there with the fire burning and yet the bush is not consumed, he becomes conscious of God calling him back to something that the Lord had spoken to him many years before. But he was an older man now. And God wanted to do something in and through his life. He wanted to use him in a way. Some of us who are getting older now, I truly believe that God can use old people. 
Can I get an amen from an old person in here? Thank God that, that, that the prophet Joel said that in the last days I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men will dream dreams. I'm glad that old men can dream dreams. I still have a dream for God's church and God's people that one day we're going to see the church rise up in the power of the Spirit of God and that Jesus is going to live in, in and through us in such a way that all of Glenville and all of Glenville will become converted to Christ and every knee will bow and every tongue confess. I can believe that. Can I dream about that, brother? Is that all right with you? I'm an old man, but I have a dream. I really do. And here God calls this man. This is a pivotal moment for, for Moses where he recall, recalls him. And God has never forgotten anything that he has spoken to you or promised to you. It may take time for that to be fulfilled, but God will never go back on His promises. And He spoke to this man who had failed miserably, and yet standing there on the backside of uh, a mountain, minding his father-in-law's sheep, and minding his own business, God breaks into his silence and speaks to him. I, I believe that that can happen in here tonight. In any of our lives. It's a kairos moment. It's a moment when God breaks in and changes the atmosphere and changes the circumstances and changes the events that are going on in our life simply because we respond to something that God wants to do in that particular moment. This is the way God works. It's like the Jesus standing in front of the tomb of Lazarus, his friend, And calling Lazarus' name. And then instructing some of his friends to go and move the stone out in front of the the tomb. That didn't make a bit of sense to anybody that was standing there. They even said, Lord, he's been dead for four days. Why should we do something like that? I'm telling you, sometimes God will call you to do something that is so far out of your comfort zone that if you would just take a step and do it, you would discover that God will meet you at that moment and change and transform everything. It doesn't make any sense, and all the skeptics that were there had their doubts, but they were obedient, and they moved the stone, and out walks Lazarus. Sometimes the church has to do something out of the norm, out of the ordinary. When we open ourselves up to God, I'm telling you, I've seen that God can do things that are beyond our ability to comprehend and understand. I don't understand it. I wish I did. But the Spirit of God is not controlled by me or by you. The Scripture says He blows where He wills. He does what He wants to when we open ourselves up to Him. I was preaching in a little church outside of Macon, Georgia. One Sunday morning, I had come back from Venezuela and we're ministering down in the south of Venezuela. We had We'd ministered in Venezuela for years, and now they're going through such turmoil and trial. But I believe one day God will give us a chance to go back there. I really believe that. We, for years, ministered in Venezuela. We had come back from Venezuela, and the very next week I was preaching in this church. and, And the area where we were was such a place of idolatry and wickedness that it was so sad, even to the point that... Children out on the streets were taking care of themselves. It was a a difficult and painful place. And we saw God move on the lives of children in meetings that we had, open-air meetings. 
I was preaching that morning at a church outside of Macon, and I was just talking, and I walked down just like this, and I was just talking about how much God loves us and God's purpose and plan for us no matter how young or how old we are. And all of a sudden, children started weeping in the sanctuary. Wes Moy is a pastor at in Dublin, Georgia. You can ask him if this is not the gospel truth. Nobody said a word to the children. They just started weeping. And parents were there. They didn't know what to do. I didn't either. All I did was just was talking like I'm talking to you right now. The children started weeping. And it was as if God had come upon them like he did in the children down in Venezuela. And the same spirit of God that was at work down there was moving in the heart of these children And they were grieved and overwhelmed by a sense of God's presence. I don't understand that. But I know when God shows up. And I know that when God shows up, nothing is impossible. Nothing. 120 were in an upper room in Jerusalem waiting on what they knew not. But they knew that Jesus had commanded them to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And all they knew was that if we have to do this in our own strength, there is no way. Because the Romans are just outside the door. And the same thing that we saw them do to Jesus, we imagined that they would be willing to do to us. So they gathered for ten days in an upper room there. And it was a pivotal moment for the church where the Spirit of God came down upon 120 and rested upon them. And God used those fearful, uncertain, broken men and women to transform and change the world. The only reason you and I are here today is because Jesus was raised from the dead and sent the Spirit of God upon 120 who went and proclaimed the gospel and it turned the whole world upside down. I'm telling you in a moment, When God shows up, anything can happen. Anything. One day, a great prophet named Isaiah, who grew up in Jerusalem, many of the scholars believe that Isaiah was connected to the royal family. Uh, Many believe that his father, uh, Amos, was... um, actually the uncle of the king. And that would have made Uzziah, I mean, uh, made Isaiah the king's cousin. So he grew up in Jerusalem and was familiar with the temple. Isaiah was. He was familiar with everything related to the temple, everything related to worship in the temple. Everything had become pretty much familiar to him. But one day, something happened. There was a pivotal moment in Isaiah's life. So much so that he writes about it and gives his testimony. You see, we know Isaiah is a great prophet, and he was. He was the one who wrote 
more about Jesus coming than any other Old Testament prophet. He's quoted more in the New Testament than any other prophet. He's the one who said, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And upon his shoulders will rest the government and his kingdom will know no end. He's the one that wrote those words. He also is the one who talked about the suffering servant of God who would, was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was laid upon him and by his stripes we would be healed. He's the one who said that. But before he said all of that, he was just a man who was a part of a community Maybe like this in, Jer- in Jerusalem. He was a part of the temple. And every time he would go in the temple, just like when you come into this church, things pretty much look the same. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten lamps hanging from the ceiling. There's a picture of Jesus on the back wall praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. There's beams across the ceiling. There's candles on the altar. There's a cross. There's a pulpit. There's furniture. Everything looks the same. Maybe you sit where you normally sit, close to the people you normally sit close to. What I'm saying to you is, for Isaiah, things were pretty much the same. But one day... Something happened in his life that opened his life up to the presence of God in a way that he never experienced before. The scripture just says it this way. The year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Now Uzziah, like I said, had been king for a long time, 52 years, a great king. And there was a lot of security that was wrapped up in his accomplishments. There was a lot of assurance, there was a lot of comfort, there was a lot of peace because he was a man who had done a lot of great things for the nation. However, later on in his life, uh, because of his uh, poor decisions, he came into the temple thinking that he could disregard God's purpose and plan. I'm talking about the king now. Thinking that he could disregard God's plan and order. Uh, He unfortunately contracted leprosy himself and died. But before he died, Isaiah the prophet wrestled with what this would mean, not only for him, but for his nation. And all of a sudden, the well-ordered, well-manicured, well-planned life of Isaiah was turned upside down in a moment Because the king that he had put his confidence in and the throne upon which he sat was shaken. What am I saying to you? What I'm saying is that sometimes some things happen in our life that cause us to think again about where we are in our relationship with God and what God might want to do with our life. And unfortunately, when you look at the people of God down through the ages, this is what happens. Sometimes we get shaken by an event in our life. It may be a sickness, it may be a loss, like it is in in his life when Uzziah died. 
It may be something else that's going on. It may be some, some member of our family that, that we are wrestling with or some situation or a loss of a job or a loss of something. What I'm saying to you is sometimes things happen in our life and our interpretation of them at the moment may not necessarily be positive, but God may actually be trying to use that experience that we're going through to bring us to a place of encounter with Him in a way that we maybe couldn't otherwise. Do you understand what I'm saying? Anybody? You can say yes, if you do. It's, can they say yes? Okay. Just say yes, if you, if you will. You can say amen if you want to. Amen. Oh, thank you. So this was where Isaiah was at. He came into the temple that day. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he came into the temple because he was driven there by his own grief over the loss of Uzziah. You know, sometimes we can do that. We come into the church setting because we want to be in a place where, where we're trying to deal with our grief or our, whatever it is. And, but he came in there, and I'm sure that in his mind, like maybe tonight, when those of you who are familiar with the sanctuary here, you came in here thinking everything was going to be the same. You could count the number of um, lamps. You could count this. But suddenly, when he came into the house of God, he became conscious of God's presence. He became conscious of the presence of God. And in that moment, he became aware and was awakened to his own condition. His own condition. Same kind of thing happened to Simon Peter when he was in the boat with Jesus. Remember the scripture where they went out, they were fishing, and all of a sudden when Jesus pulls in the net full of fish, the Scripture says, in that moment, Simon Peter becomes conscious of himself. He becomes self-aware at that point, and he says, depart from me, Lord, for I'm a wicked man. He became conscious of his own condition. That's what happened to Isaiah. And he realized in that moment, because if you had seen Isaiah probably in church or in the temple, he looked like everything was all right. In fact, if you ask him, hey, how you doing, Isaiah? I'm doing okay. How's it going? I'm doing okay. You know how we are, we church people. No, seriously, how, how are you doing? I mean, I, I'm doing okay. I'm all right. But he wasn't. He wasn't all right. He was nowhere near, actually, where he needed to be in his relationship with the Lord. Something else had occupied the throne of his life. I mean, he continued to go through the motions and activities, but something was wrong. And maybe it is in your life. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you know, you don't know what it is, but you know something's not right. Something's not exactly right. Something was right. Everything inside of the the, the temple looked exactly the same, but something was different in here. It's like something had shifted on the inside of him. All of the stuff in the temple looked the same, but something had shifted inside of his life and in his heart. And so he comes inside the temple, and in that moment he becomes conscious and aware of his condition. And you may be here tonight, and you've been in this sanctuary so many times, or one like it, and everything is the same, but inside of you you know that it's not. God is here. 
when he becomes conscious of God's presence, he begins to confess. I know the church confession is not a big thing on the church's um, list today as far as things that we as God's people should do, but he cries out and he says, Lord, woe is me. I'm ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. That day in the temple, Isaiah saw himself in a light that he had not seen before. And he began to say, you know, something's wrong, God. Something is wrong. I think it's good for the church sometimes to come to the point where we recognize something's wrong. Something's wrong. Suddenly he felt helpless. The king and his friend, in whom he had placed all of his confidence and trust, the throne of the king was vacant and empty. He had lost his sense of confidence. He lost his confidence. And he couldn't, he couldn't hide anymore. He couldn't, he couldn't hide behind the charade of some kind of religious activity by just going to the temple. He needed... He needed God to show up, and, and God did show up. In that moment, He did. And in that moment, whenever God showed up, He became conscious of His own inadequacy. He said, Woe is me, God. I'm undone. For I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. He became face-to-face with what was really inside of His heart. Like many of us, he may not have even realized how far away from God he had drifted. I mean, he was not a bad man. He was not. He was not a dope-smoking, wife-beating, dog-kicking, mean man. I don't think he was. I'm serious. I don't think he was. I think he was just a man who somehow his priorities had kind of shifted and he had, he had put his focus and attention more on the throne of Uzziah than on the throne of God. He had put his attention and his focus more on material things, things of this world, than on the things of God. I mean, that's all I think that happened with him, honestly. I don't think he was a bad person. I think he's, there was just a subtle shift. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes that can happen in our life. It's not a big thing. It's not like we wake up one morning and we're going to say, you know what, um, I'm just going to move away from God. I'm tired of following God. It doesn't happen that way, does it, brother? Most of the time, it's just a subtle thing. And the reason why I know this is probably true for him is because he says then, later on, he says, then I heard the Lord. Then I heard the Lord. Well, why didn't you hear the Lord before? And maybe you're here tonight and somehow, some way, some, for some reason, you don't even hear God anymore. You did at one time. God, you used, to, you used to sense and feel God speak to you. You used to sense and feel that God was talking to you and you loved to talk to God and, and pray. But, you know, something just shifted is all I'm saying. I feel like there was a shift inside of him. And so when he came into the temple... He became conscious of how far maybe he had moved away from God and things had shifted on the inside of him and he just confesses. 
what was broken and what was wrong. You know what? God doesn't expose our need for being closer to Him or our sin to push us away. God's never done that. God never exposes our sin so that He can say, look, you, you sorry rascal. God doesn't do that. He, he shows us our weakness and our failures and our sins so that He can say, look, I don't want anything to be between us. I really don't want this to get between us and our relationship. Let's take care of this. Let's deal with this. I mean, that's why God shows us our sin, so that He can draw us close to Himself, not to push us away. God has never done that. Just like Simon Peter, he didn't put, uh, Jesus didn't push him away. He, he drew him closer. And so tonight, if you're here and that becomes something that you are conscious of, God's not showing you that so He can say, uh, nanny, nanny, boo-boo, I, I knew that you were bad. He, he doesn't do that. He says, I want to show you what's between you and me so that we can take care of that and I can, I can fill you with a sense of my presence and love and power in a way that I can't because of what's... Something else has been on your throne. Something else has been on the throne of your life, Uzziah. I mean, uh, Isaiah. It's been Uzziah. Let's get... He's gone now. Let me have that place in your life. Let me have that place, that throne. And what happens is, you know the story, uh, an, an angelic being comes and he's having this vision and an angelic being takes a tongue, takes the tongues and takes an, a coal from the fire at the altar of God and comes and touches his lips. And there's a cleansing that takes place there. A cleansing that takes place. I tell you what, those of us who know what it feels like to have our sins forgiven, is that not awesome? I mean, if you've ever felt like that cleansing wave of God's grace just wash over you, I remember the first time that I experienced that at Garden City United Methodist Church, it felt like somebody, this is just my experience. I'm not saying that this is something everybody has. Can I speak from my own experience? Okay. I'm not saying you have to do this or this is the way it is for everybody. This is just me. Because I, I didn't grow up in the church. I had no experience in the church till I was 19 when Jesus came into my life. But I felt there in front of the altar like warm milk was poured on the top of my head and just ran down. And I said, oh God. Oh God. I just... It felt so good. You know what I'm saying? I know it was probably the blood of Jesus that was washing over me, but I mean, the only way I could describe it would be um, warm milk. I mean, it was probably the blood of Jesus that washed over me. Don't you think? So what happens at that moment is that the heat from the altar of God is placed upon His lips, and the fire of God doesn't consume Him, but cleanses Him. Thank God for the fire. Thank God for the fire of God. The fire of God's presence that comes down and washes us clean. And restores to us the joy of our salvation. That happened to him. And God changed his life dramatically and completely. And then look at what the Lord does. You know what? Because revival is not just about us. Can I get an amen? So this is the point here. If God does anything in anybody's life in this church this week, it's not just for you. 
It's for this city, this community, maybe your family, maybe your marriage. Now you can say amen or you can say, I didn't know that. Which one you wanted? Which one, which one you wanted? Okay. Yeah, I'm serious. It's not just for you. It's for the impact and in, in, what God does in our life is always for the world. You know why? Because God so loves the world that He gave His only Son. And so when He does something in our life, it's always for the purpose of making a difference and an impact in the lives of other people. And so Isaiah is standing there in the house of God with the presence of God just washing over him wave after wave. The consciousness of God's presence filling not only that room, but his heart. And he says, the scripture says, Then I heard the Lord say. Then I heard the voice of the Lord say. Then I heard that. Again, sometimes we can't hear what God's trying to say to us because of everything that's going on in our life or the distractions that are going on or that we feel like we are so far away from God uh, or God's not interested in me. Listen to me. God is interested in you, okay? God is interested in you, every single one of you. In fact, why don't you tell the person sitting next to you, God is interested in you. Would you do that? Just tell them, God is interested in you. God is interested in you. And it's not just for your sake that God's interested in you. It's for the sake of the world. Because this church has a potential for making a profound impact on the, on the problems that exist in this, in this area. What county are we in? In Tattano County. Can somebody say amen? But you know what God's waiting on? He's waiting on you. That's what he's waiting on. Because I don't live here. So he's waiting on you. And you can say what Isaiah said. You know, Lord, here I am. I'm, I'm available. I, I'm available, God. Because the preacher's not going to be able to come from Savannah over here and win everybody in Tattano County to Jesus. But, and the reason why is because there's people that he does not know that I do know. And I know that that's a fact. Right? So all God is looking for is somebody whose life has been touched by His presence who would be willing to say, All right, Lord, I surrender. Here it is. Use me. I'm available. But I know that you're not going to do that unless you are moved by the Spirit of God because I'm the same way. I am the same way. I'm too chicken. I'm afraid somebody won't like me. I'm, ta- I'm speaking in the flesh now a little bit. I- I'm afraid somebody won't like me. Or they may say something that will hurt my feelings. It's all about Jesus. It's not about you or me. It's about us being representatives of the Lord who has come to transform and change this world. And He has, by His own sovereign will and purpose, chosen to use us. Is that not amazing? Now, you can't say tonight before we go out of here, here I am, Lord. Use Willie. You can't say that, okay? Otherwise, when you leave out of here, God will not find the place in our heart and life that He longs for. 
So, I'm finished with what I got to say. Are y'all good? Everybody's okay? So now what we're going to do is we're going to turn it over to the Lord to do whatever it is that He wants to do. So I've tried to do what I think He's asked me to do. But listen, what we're going to do is we're going to just wait in the presence of God for a minute, okay? So I'm going to ask you to stand. Let's just stand just a second. Don't get nervous now, okay? Don't get nervous. Don't get nervous. We don't need any any music for this part right here. What we need is just to do exactly what we read in the Scripture, and that is to just pause for a moment. Maybe if you, if you close your eyes, it'll help you a little bit so you're not looking at somebody else or whatever. So just close your eyes a minute. Look at your own heart. What's it look like? Is it full of joy and full of peace and, and just filled with a sense of, of God's purpose and plan for your life? Is it filled with some desire to honor and worship God? To serve God? Is it filled with something else? Maybe somebody's on your mind or on your, in your thoughts. Maybe somebody you've got something against, rightfully so, because they've said or done something to hurt you. You can't get it out of there, but God can. Maybe there's some way that you have failed God, and you think God is so mad at you when He loves you so much that you can't even begin to imagine. And tonight what He wants to do is just to take care of that and remove it, just like He did with Isaiah. Not, not just with a hot coal from the altar, but by His finger as He places His hand upon you and His Spirit comes in and washes over you and purifies your heart. Father, we love You. And we stand amazed that You love us. And I thank You for this congregation. I thank You for every person here whose desire, Lord, is to be in Your presence. And myself included, Lord, we've come here tonight because we need something from You. I mean, we really need something from You. We need something from You, God. It may be healing. It may be forgiveness. It may be restoration. It may just to feel again the power of God upon us like we did at one time. And like Moses at the bush, we thought that those years had passed us by. But here you show up again, Lord. Right in this room. Right in this room. And some of us here have had something on the throne of our life, whatever it may be. It may not be a King Uzziah, but something there. And it's been shaken. Father, in Jesus' name, let us see you like Isaiah. 
Let us see you tonight, God. Let us leave this place having encountered the love of the Father God in heaven, touched by the Spirit of the living God, forgiven by the precious blood of Jesus. Lord, do a work in our life. Do a work in our life. Whoever may be here, God, in need, do a work in our life. Do a work in our life. Can you sing with me? Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Melt me. Melt. Mold me. Mold. Fill me. Fill me. Use me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh Bless your people, Father God. Bless their families, their children, their marriage. Lord, do a work in us that we may truly be your witnesses in this world. Fill this place with your presence, Lord. And fill our life with your presence, God. We love you and we thank you. We love you and we thank you. Don't we, church? Hallelujah.